If you're coming to Chicago this summer and you're looking for a more honest approach to your improv, well, I have got some great news for you. I'll be teaching my Artist Low Comedy Summer Weekend Intensives on three separate weekends here in Chicago. You'll learn in the Artist Low Comedy Weekend Summer Intensive to slow down and shut up so you can start using your feelings in your scenic improv. It'll make improvising as easy as having a conversation. You'll also learn before you can be funny, you'll need to be real. And guess what? You'll be even funnier in a more genuine and honest way. When you work this way, you'll automatically start to find your unique voice. You'll be tapping into your life experiences without even realizing it. So if you're interested in working this way, I am offering three Artist Low Comedy Weekend Summer Intensives on the weekends of July 14th and 15th, July 28th and 29th, and August 11th through the 12th here in Chicago. To sign up, go to my website at jimmycarain.com. That's jimmycarain.com. I want to tell you something. Nothing makes me more excited than when someone comes up to me after they've taken one of my workshops or been in one of my classes and said, you know what, Jimmy? You know what I want to do with this improv? I want to be a teacher. I cannot tell you how proud I feel. And that's why we created this Patreon page, because we want to help you become the best improv teacher that you possibly can be. We have shot a series of master-level improv teaching lessons where you'll learn some of my games and exercises and philosophies that I have used successfully for the last 25 years. And in addition to the lessons, you will also get each month an exclusive video episode of Improv Nerd from beginning to end. What an education. Can I just say that? Can, can it be more educational than the lessons and a full-length episode of Improv Nerd? To subscribe, go to patreon.com slash improv nerd. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash improv nerd. All one word. Thank you for your support. Jimmy, Jimmy Corain, Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Jimmy Corain's an improv nerd. Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another great episode of Improv Nerd. Our guest today is Todd Milliner. He is one of the executive producers of CNN's original series, The History of Comedy. He's produced such TV shows as Hot in Cleveland, Hollywood Game Night, and Grimm. Todd started out here in Chicago back in the 90s studying improv at the Annoyance Theater, and I happened to be one of his teachers. He then went on to be a teacher at the Second City. We talked to him about how he started his production company, Hazy Mills, with his college friend, Sean Hayes, from Will and Grace, and how Yes and works in Hollywood, which is filled with a lot of no's, and why it's important for people, be it improv, stand-up, or just a writer, to learn the history of comedy. Before we get to the episode, I just want to say that um, uh, last Sunday I did a show with Joe Bill and John Hildreth, the, our Jimmy and Johnny show, and I talked about this in a blog, how fun it is to work with people that you really love. Uh, I've known Joe Bill since um, my days in The Annoyance back in the 90s. I've known John now for seven years and got to perform with him, and he is easily one of the best improvisers that I've ever gotten to work with. And it was just so much fun 
Um, it was uh, we we went to some dark places. Uh, some of it was serious. Some of it was very funny because you're working with two very funny people, Joe Bill and John Hildreth. Um, but I just had a lot of appreciation for playing with people that I really really love. And if I could say anything to um, people that are starting out and to not make the same mistake I did, which was I never really appreciated the people because I was so focused on getting somewhere that I, 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 in a lot of ways, just look through people. And as I get older and uh, I don't have the same goals and I'm, I'm kind of now looking back and not looking forward like I was before, I really have a lot more appreciation for the people like John and Joe Bill um, who are, are, are from my generation and uh, that we stuck around here in Chicago. And it's just... Um, it just it just it just made me feel good. Like we we uh, the show made me feel good, and afterwards made me feel good. Like we had accomplished something. And uh, you know, if you've listened to this podcast on a regular basis, you know that's um, that's a hard thing for me to feel is like successful or accomplished. So enough about me. You're gonna love this episode with Todd Milliner. He's very honest. He talks about jealousy. He talks about disappointment. He talks about comedy. He talks about how he got started in improv and uh, how he's using Yes And out there in the land of no's, Los Angeles, California. So here it is. You're gonna enjoy this. It's a little shorter episode uh, than we usually have but it's filled with so much great information and knowledge. Here it is, the Todd Milliner episode. Enjoy. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd, oh yeah. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd. Todd Milliner, thank you so much for being our guest on Improv Nerd. I uh, Thank you for having me. Um, as a kid uh, growing up in Hoffman Estates, um, how did you get interested in comedy? I uh, I think you know it's uh, I've always been interested in comedy and I think that I I don't think I wasn't a particularly cool kid so I used to use comedy to <laughs> deflect all of the abuse I was I was I was likely going to take if I wasn't the funny kid in the class so I I uh, I was inspired very early to use uh, I certainly use humor over any kind of intelligence to uh to uh, maneuver through childhood and then uh i don't know i think that maybe you just come out of the womb uh, uh with a, a, a comedic bent because i found myself you know wanting to watch saturday night live and stay up i begged to stay up late when i was a kid and, and every once in a while they'd let me and i'd lay on my sister's orange shag carpet uh, in her room and, and watch snl and i felt like i was uh, uh being rewarded uh weekly and I've been in love with it ever since. And then uh, you go to Illinois State University. And if people don't know Illinois State University, that's that was a big theater school because the founding members of Steppenwolf come out of that. John Malkovich, Gary Sinise, uh, Laurie Metcalf, just to name a few. What did you get out of the theater department there? Well, I, I, I loved... You know, I, I had like three majors because I couldn't I couldn't decide on one, <laughs> and and theater was ended up being a minor. And I, I tell you, it's uh, that theater school changed my life. I I, I don't th- I was never a particularly good actor. Um, I, I used to joke with my agent in Chicago that uh, when when he'd get me an audition for Shakespeare or something, I'd say, "Who, who do you want to be more embarrassed?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, I think what uh, theater school. It, at Illinois State did for me was much more of a 
kind of a human growth uh, uh, curriculum that it was for me to grow as an actor. I don't think I was I could ever be saved as an actor, but what it, it was a, it allowed me to feel confidence and 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 kind of love myself a little more and open up. Uh, it was it was a really uh, my my coming of age was at Illinois State and, I, and that theater department in particular. And had you been exposed to improv there? Yeah, that's probably the first time I was exposed to it. So when I moved back up north, you know, to do whatever job I could get my hands on. The first thing I did was go see a show at the Annoyance, and that's uh, and then I then my life was truly changed. The old Annoyance space on Broadway, um, and that was then I saw that happening on stage, and I thought, well, uh, co-ed prison sluts, and I said, well, this is what I need to be doing, and I enrolled for for a Jimmy Corain class, I think, probably that Monday. Um, and then uh, you 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 come and you study with me, and you were just I remember. I was so impressed with you because you just made things happen. You know, like you put a group together really quickly. And I think you guys were probably one of the first groups in Chicago to ever do like a gay sketch comedy. What was wasn't yeah. that it? Yeah. And it, I don't know if we, uh, you know, we didn't set out like Gayco did, you know, with my friend Andy Enninger. Uh, I, 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 we kind of just, it was just a, a few gay folks that got together and thought, hey, <laughs> this, could, this could be our angle um, uh, after we were already uh, 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 up and playing. So we uh, we didn't brand it that way, but it certainly was that. And we were proud of that. And a lot of our shows ended up just, rep- you know, uh, reflecting what who we were. And that happened to be a bunch of crazy gay kids. But that was back in the early 90s, right? Uh, yeah, let's see. Yes, it was. It was it was uh, early to mid nineties. And then also at that time, you're teaching at Second City. Um, what when you were in Chicago and you were doing all this stuff? What were your career goals? Uh, you know, I always, I still wanted to act, and I thought I could maybe carve out a a career acting in in commercials and making my own stuff. I wanted to make independent films. So funny because that's really what my goal was in the early 90s to make independent features. And I just made my first one. So it's <laughs> funny how your career takes these uh, detours. And and uh, I, I wouldn't change what I did, but but I wish I could have could have gotten there a little sooner. And then uh, when you were teaching at Second City, what did you stress to the students? What was it the most important thing in your class to get across to the students? I think that, you know, it's, I learned a lot from, you know, my mentor, my mentors, uh, uh, you and Mick and, and Martin DeMott and, and Norm Holly. And I think the, uh, the the biggest thing I learned from them and the, the, and the thing that I still use in in in, uh, in business today is just if make the other person in your life look good and you're going to look good. And I think that that was probably my biggest skill as an improviser, just sit back and listen and support. I, I was rarely the one that ran out there and took control. I think that I, I think that uh, I think that without good support, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in trouble in a lot of places in life. And I, I, I that's how I, that, that was my angle. And um, you how did you go from being an improviser here in Chicago to forming a production company with Sean Hayes in Los Angeles? Uh, well, Sean and I knew each other at Illinois State and he was a piano major at the time. And I was something other than that and it was and uh we became friends and then then when i was in chicago i'd I'd sit and watch you know the super bowl and i'd start seeing him pop up and i i just got incredibly jealous and uh 
uh, I thought, well, I could do that in Los Angeles, I bet. But um, I didn't know the first thing about it. And uh, uh, then Talk Soup, uh, uh, you know, they were changing hosts on Talk Soup. They, the old, not, it was, you know, I don't know if you remember that, but that was like Greg Kinnear back then. Yes, I do. And then. Uh, Hal Sparks, I think. Yeah. And then Hal Sparks left and I flew out. I, I auditioned and. Uh, Aisha Tyler got it, and I thought, well, when an African American woman gets your your gig as an actor, and you're a white guy, you might not be real good. So, but out here, I pitched Sean an idea. I had an idea for a TV show, and I thought, why can't we do Project Greenlight for sitcoms? And we sold it, and then that I kind of backed into a producing career. You know, we went into William Morris, and we told them the idea, and we we went to Bravo because it was an NBC company, and Sean was still on Will and Grace. Uh, we sold it. We made that show, and I thought shit, this is easy. And then I didn't sell anything for about six more years. <laughs> and I want to get back to the thing that, uh, that I brought up earlier that really impressed me was this attitude of like a can-do attitude. And if it was here in Chicago, which is I'm going to teach improv, uh, I don't care about the hierarchy, or I'm going to go sell a show with Sean Hayes, where did you develop that skill? Because I, I wish I had that. <laughs> that's, that's, well, thank you. And uh, yeah, I, gosh, I wish I knew, you know, I, Growing up, I played every sport, and I probably uh, knew I was gay since the moment I got up and turned the channel on the black and white TV in my room to, <laughs> to, to Maud. So I, I think I was always not going to let what, uh, what people were perceiving back then, especially, you know, you, you kind of had to hide it. I wasn't going to let that get in the way of doing anything. So I played all the sports, and I and I. And I I did all the extracurricular activities, and then I and then I didn't just want to do them, but I wanted to do them well. So I think that I, I from a very early age, I just is I set my mind to it. My parents didn't ever uh, get in the way; they always supported every single thing I did. So I, I, I just come from good stock, I think, and hopefully each each day I can do something that you know I pay them back for that. And you know, you said that you know it, it took you a while then after your your first success. And then, you know, you end up Hazy Mills, your production company, does shows like, you know, uh, Hot in Cleveland and uh, Grimm and, and Hollywood Game Night. Um, tell us a little about the process of how you get shows made out there. Um, everybody does it a little differently. We, uh, uh, we have a lot of we come up with a lot of original ideas at Hazy Mills. A lot of times, you know, we, we, we're classified into this non-writing producer uh, uh, career. And, uh, I guess that, I guess that's the kind of the official title, but you know, it's, uh, you know, y'all, you, 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 you're as creative as you, uh, as you want to be. And we, we decided we want to be creative producers. So, you know, Grimm and hot in Cleveland, those are original ideas. And then we would go out and find writers for those ideas. And, and then, you know, you get, a, you hopefully get align yourself with a great writer and you pitch networks and, and then it's all, uh, it's it's all uphill from there um, because it's not you know it's it's funny that when I first moved out here and you know I tell my mom well you know we sold an idea and then she just expects to see it on the air in a month and it's just a, it's much more complicated than that it's uh, you know every every as an actor the, we face that numbers game and I think it's it's just as difficult as a producer getting a, a show sold uh, getting the pilot made and then getting the show on the air it's a, there's there's a lot of places that you can uh, trip. And, uh, I think we just, you know, we got lucky. It was a combination of, you know, good and lucky. You know, I think that we, 
we spread ourselves out over several genres. You know, we, we do drama and comedy and doc series and game. And we did that really purposefully right at the beginning so people didn't pigeonhole us because I think that could slow us down too. And uh, so we sell, you know, like, and I think our only rule is that we only want to sell things that we would want to watch. And we've, we've stuck to that. And, and that, I think my business career in Chicago helped me figure out things like establishing a brand and being strategic um, in every, in everything that we do. And, and then success, you know, if, if we work hard, success will follow. And we've kind of stuck really close to that. How do you deal with the rejection? Cause I read something where you will, you will pitch shows up to 30 to 40 times. And of course, uh, Hollywood loves to say no, cause it doesn't cost them any money. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, how, how do you keep that? Yes. And, and, uh, going. It's tough. You know, this year was particularly tough. It's uh, it, just like it's, I always compare it to being an actor because that's what I know. And a lot of my friends are still acting, but it's, uh, you know, this year in particular, we, we sold five pilots, which is a big year, and then we made two of them. And so, and then neither of them got on the air, which is really tough because those numbers set us up for having something get on the air. So I just, I just need a little bit, a bit of time away from the initial rejection, but then I realized that we've been pretty blessed to have what we had on the air so far. We've, you know, the, the story's already been kind of written about our company and and uh, just like being an actor, I, I just I, I, I don't want to quit. Like, what am I going to do? I, I just saw Springsteen on Broadway and he talks a lot about like, well, if I retire from touring, what am I going to do? You know, I sit home and this is what I love to do. So once I get past the initial rejection and just get back out and find another idea I love. And how long does it usually take you to get over it? This year, it probably took me a couple of weeks. <laughs> the, good thing, the good thing was we were filming a movie on Long Island that Sean uh, wrote with Darlene Hunt, who's an, another uh, Chicago woman, uh, uh, with Sean and Allison Janney and Margot Martindale and Matthew Broderick. So when you're doing that, then it, it makes it a little easier. You know, like, okay, well, at least, I'm, you know, at least I'm making a movie. I can make myself feel better. And you said, to, you said to me years ago uh, that you had a no-asshole policy that you will not work with assholes. Um, why is that important? Um, you know, it's, it's funny because we still talk about that. And I was, I was just, I just had a meeting with Allie Larder. I don't know if you know who Allie Larder is. I don't, is. I don't. Actor, uh, she was on Heroes. Just, uh, she's, but she, uh, she started our meeting kind of echoing that same statement. I was like, oh, I'm going to like her. Uh, but it's, I think that we're, you know, we're lucky enough to have had some, you know, semblance of success. So we can pick who we work with because the hours are so long and the job is grueling. And then like you said, the no's are much more often than the yeses. Why would we put ourselves in bed with somebody that's a jerk? But, and the interesting thing is you said this to me before you even had a, a yeah. know, hot in Cleveland. So I would imagine there's been times where, you know, you probably said to Sean, like, you know what, we have a possibility here, but I, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like working with them. I, uh, we just went through that this summer and we just, we decided, we did, uh, we did decide that life is too short to work with a certain person. And, uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's sure, sure is hell a lot tougher when you, when you just start out. But I think that that success comes because you stick to those principles. And, and in terms of working with Sean, uh, and you guys have known each other for a long time and he also has an improv background. I believe, right? Didn't he study at Second City for a short? He period did. Of time? He he did. He took a couple of classes, but he was far more interested in uh, scripted acting than he was in improv. So 
he uh, he he writes everything. You know, all of his speeches, everything. It's uh, he he likes uh, making material, elevating material, and making it funnier funnier instead of you know uh, improvising. So he took a couple of classes. He and uh, but he found he found commercial success very early. Um, he did a lot of Chicago commercials and and uh, and then moved out much younger than I was. Did you get over your jealousy from with him? Because I am jealous of everybody. <laughs> you know, it's funny that uh, I certainly did. It's, when you're out here around actors all the time, you if, if you unless you have that burning passion to be an actor, you lose <laughs> that jealousy and that urge to ever want to be in that part of the business because I, that's it's there's very little control of your life and I am a control freak. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not jealous of the acting part. He does one part of our company very, very well. And I do another part and I, I keep myself busy there. Does it, does it, does it branch out to then other producers? Like you're jealous of other produ- production. Oh yeah. Companies? Oh, okay. all the time, okay. all the time. I'll read something in variety. And I thought, why well, I, I thought of that idea four years ago, but what, what am I supposed to do? Just hang on to old ideas and, and hope nobody gets them. So, it's, but I get jealous very often. I, I'm very jealous of even Steven Spielberg. I'm still jealous of, you know, like, oh God, he was so young when he made Jaws. And, <laughs> and then uh, what, what is it, uh, what makes uh, your, your business partnership with Sean work so well? If he comes from more of a scripted and you're more of like, yes, and improvising, yeah. how, how do you, how, how does that work for you guys? Well, I think that he, he, he still, he still certainly respects the, 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 the rules and principles and guidelines of improv. He just didn't want to do it as performance. So we get along incredibly well. Every year we get along better. It's really weird. Um, I think that especially with the, um, with, with Will and Grace coming back. And I think that very, very often people don't get a chance to, to, to (laughs) relive a huge success like he's getting right now. And this renaissance in his career, and he's really appreciating it more this time. And, and when somebody around you was really appreciating things in life, it makes it a lot. It makes it our relationship very easy. And how do you guys deal with creative differences? Um, you know, I we've gotten really good at just you know, it, depending on the situation. You know, if we're if we're with a writer or something, we we've not, we've gotten very good at uh, taking that offline and talking about it later, and 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 talking about why. And be, uh, why we feel differently, and and just filling all those conversations with respect, even when we're diametrically opposed to something, and we, which happens, but we would just respectfully talk about it, uh, well, and uh, often alone. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, d- don't understand when you're in a creative process, there is tension involved, and it needs to be oh. spe- spoke to, right? Oh, uh, you know, I wrote a pilot with a guy that works with us uh, for NBC uh, uh, two years ago, a space drama, and. I got to the point where we were writing it and it was so, I was so irritating with him. I said, no, I still love the idea. I just hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, and then where's it go from there? Uh, you know, it then, you know, we made up and we met, wrote a really great pilot that, you know, Sean Cassidy was our, 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 uh, our showrunner and, you know, we, it all worked out, but yes, it was very tense. Um, you are now producing the second uh, the second season of um, History of Comedy for CNN. How did that concept come to you guys? Uh, I was sitting in a general meeting at CNN in New York a couple of years ago, and I just uh, I didn't know what kind of show we would do at CNN, and but I knew I wanted to do one there because I, I walk around with it on my iPad. So I, <laughs> I know. Uh, in fact, Michael 
uh, my partner Michael at, at home, he's when I walk around and I have CNN on my iPad, and they have like a panel discussion. He goes, "Oh, great, you brought your friends." Um, <laughs> but I uh, I knew I wanted to do a show there, and I also knew that I I've always thought there should be an exhaust exhaustive list, uh, uh, exhaustive uh, source of the history of comedy. Like, why isn't that available? I I I've learned so much about comedy from producing this show. I said, I just asked them, would you ever, would you ever do this? And they said, let's do it. And I said, well, I'd like to do it with the guys that do the decades shows. And so we partnered with this company uh, called Herzog. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, we made it. It was, the CNN was super supportive and, uh, it was, it was, it's been a great process. And what have you learned? You know, it's, it's, I've learned first, the, one of the most interesting things I've learned is that comedians really know the history of comedy. I mean, uh, I, I'm shocked at how many people can talk eloquently and thoughtfully and intellectually about their, their the business that they're in. And they, like stand-ups that you don't, that you don't automatically say, well, they must have done a lot of research before they became, it became stand-ups. And it's, um, and then I think the second thing for me is that comedy has, changed it's, it's evolved and obviously you can trace like uh, you know you can go from lenny bruce to george carlin to, you, know, you can start making these connections but the one thing that hasn't changed is that comedy has always been there to kind of reflect society no matter what we're going through comedy helps us get through and it's just interesting to i never thought about it in in a in like a decades perspective like oh of course of course we've always leaned into comedy and in, in tough times and and some of our greatest comedy comes from tough times. So it's, but I got it. I mean, I've learned a billion things. Um, that's just a couple. And then uh, I, I think today more than ever, people are confused on what is okay to make fun of and what isn't. Yeah. And in, in, somebody asked me this question just yesterday at, in another interview or day before yesterday in another interview for a straight comedy. They, they said, well, what do you think is, is, is okay you know, what do you think about Roseanne? What's okay to joke about it? Your first instinct as a comedian or as a, as, as a producer of comedy or writer of comedy is that, well, you can't, you, you can't, nothing should be off limits because I, how do you start limiting people's ability to do comedy? But then you look at what Roseanne did and you go, well, gosh, shouldn't that be off limits? So, so, you know, it, it is a tough balancing act. It's uh, you want to, you want to say that everybody should be able to uh, have, you know, this, the freedom to, to let the comedy come from, wherever it comes from individually but that's it's tough sometimes because we all have that personal level of of comfort in our comedy too and and i'm not comfortable with what roseanne did but should i be able to tell her no i don't know (laughs) um also if you're starting out in comedy and you're maybe you're a stand-up or you're doing improv or you just want to be a writer i why is it important for people to to know the history of comedy um, you know, I think it's whatever you've chosen to do. It's not just the history of comedy. It's the history of uh, accounting, I guess. <laughs> whatever you're doing in your life, I think that we can only learn from and then hopefully elevate. And, and you know, gosh, I, I used to watch improvisers in, in Chicago like uh, you and Mick and, and like Neil Flynn, who's, who's had, a, I think, a 25-year career yes. saving television shows. <laughs> and... I don't think I would have been nearly as good an improviser if I didn't learn from the ones before me. And I think that whether you're a writer or you're a stand-up and 
I think we all get a lot of value from learning from even even from people that aren't particular you don't particularly like. But what 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 did they do wrong, and what would you do differently? Um, and uh, and I I again shocked at the people that have the respect for the craft, and you know people like Pat Oswalt and Mark Maron, and people that would just talk for hours about it. Mar- Steve Martin and Martin Short interviewed together, and uh. Anyway, you're going to kill me because I'm going to have to call you back if you want to keep going because I have an 11 o'clock. Okay. And I think I started late. Okay. Um, so can we wrap this up in like two minutes? Let's do it. Or, or yeah, okay. and I'm always available for you, Jimmy. If you if you find you want more questions, if you have more questions. Okay. So um, uh, we always end the, the podcast the same way, and that is, uh, what piece of advice would you give an improviser starting out, or anyone in comedy starting out today? Um, I would, I've never felt more strongly about this than I do now in my life. And I, I, and I did feel, and and I did waver and you probably know this better than most because I would talk to you about it. Like, Oh God, I can't do this anymore. This is, this is tough. And if you are passionate about improvising, don't stop. Don't let anybody tell you to stop it. This goes for actors as well. Don't let anybody say it's tough. And so that that's your excuse for stopping. Don't stop because when I, when I got out here, I just see, especially especially my friends in Chicago. If you show up with a little bit of vigor, you're smart enough and you're funny enough, and you get to things on time. People think that you can heal the world. <laughs> so don't stop because if this is your dream, you, you can get it. And I'm absolutely living proof, and so are you, and so are a lot of people that we we grew up with, the Scott Robinsons and the Kate Flannerys and uh, the Jack McBrayers, and it's just it is. The, the, if, if, if you stick to it and you've got passion, you can make it. And don't let anybody tell you can't. Todd Milner. Accept it. Okay. <laughs> and, and either will your parents, apparently, right? Exactly. Todd Milner, thank you so much for being our guest on Improv Nerd. And there you have it. Another great episode of Improv Nerd is in the can. I want to thank our guest, Todd Milner. Uh, and check out the history of comedy part two. It premieres. Uh, July 14th on CNN. Check it out. I saw the first episode. And it's it's not only a history, but it's an evolution of comedy and how uh, comedy is speaking, uh, constantly speaking about what's going on in the world today. So it's really, really informative. And I think Todd gave a great answer why it's so important to learn comedy if you're in the comedy field. And if you're in the comedy field, you're listening to this podcast, right? It only makes sense. I want to thank my producer, Dan Schiffmacher. He's the one who makes me sound so slick and so professional. If it wasn't for Dan, you wouldn't be hearing my voice right now. Also, if you want to know more about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning intensives, classes, and workshops called The Art of Slow Comedy, go to my website at jimmycorain.com. Also, follow us on social media. We're on every social media, aren't we? We're just... There's, there's more social media coming out that I, I'm not even aware of, but the ones I am uh, are Facebook. So like our Improv Nerd fan page, because it really helps with my low self-esteem. Follow us on Twitter, which is Improv underscore Nerd. And then uh, also our, sign up for our YouTube channel, which is Imp- Improv Nerd Podcast, all one word. And I forgot to mention our Patreon um page uh subscribe to that uh for very little money for for, for very little amount of money i think like ten dollars uh we give we're we're just starting up with some new improv lessons so if you're looking to become a better improv teacher or you're teaching improv go to our patreon sign up and each month uh we've just filmed some 
uh, releasing some new um, video lessons that will make you a better improv teacher. Okay, enough about me. Thank you for listening. And as always, until next time, walk, don't run. Jerry's a nerd, he's a nerd.